Well, hello there, fellow streakers, and welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. How are you doing this morning, Jamie? So good. Excited to be here. Oh, I am excited too. We've got a fantastic guest today, um, and we are excited to introduce him as we go forward. Just before we introduce our fantastic guest, someone who I've really been looking forward to talking to, um, Jamie, there is, you know, a, a great app update that we have started to test. And I'll tell you, it's going to change the face of the app and the community. I'm very excited for it. Uh, right now, it's just an alpha testing, which means we only get to see it. <laughs> so I'm sorry We're about that. We're working out of the kinks and the bugs, but I'm yep. excited. This is what I've this is what I've envisioned that app being from the very beginning, and I'm excited. I'm super excited to have it starting to become what we've thought it could be for so long. Absolutely, the community portion of this is going to be fantastic, and it will be released in the fourth quarter of this year. Uh, and we, we've got some really exciting announcements for that when we get closer to it, but just know that that's out there. Well, as you know, fellow streakers, we love to highlight um, streaks and individual streaks, but uh, instead of that, we've got an actual streaker with us today who has been uh, doing quite a bit of streaking in his life, as well as uh, with, you know, just recently reading the book and taking care of it. And his name is John Fisher. And John, welcome to the Streaking Podcast. We're so glad to have you. Thank you, Jeff and Jamie. I'm thrilled to be with you. It is, it is such a pleasure to meet people who have taken the concepts and long before you ever read the book, really have applied them to your life. In fact, let's, let's just get started right away. First of all, John, you're a lawyer, a fantastic lawyer, one who's built a law firm, have written two books. Uh, he's written The Power of a System, how to build the injury law practice of your dreams and also the law firm of your dreams. Say goodbye to your boss, say hello to the law firm you've always dreamed of. And I've read a little bit, Jamie and I've read a little bit of these and just fascinated by the story and we'll get into some of those. But um, start us out with, you know, how in your profession, how you got started, why was law exciting to you? What was it that you, what got you on that road? Well, actually, it's really kind of forced into it, Jeff. Uh, when I was in college, I didn't want to be a lawyer. I wanted to. I had worked my summers in New York City in the investment field in finance, and I loved it. And that's what I wanted to do for a living. Uh, but my father said when it came time to make the decision, he said, I'll pay for law school, but I won't pay for anything else, uh, MBA or master's. And I said, okay, simple decision right there. <laughs> Went to law school, absolutely loved the law. And right now, I... Many lawyers hate their careers. I absolutely love it. And I can't imagine doing anything else. And it's a thrill for me. I found a niche that I love, which is I represent the people, catastrophic uh, people of, who have been injured by catastrophic injuries, death, almost entirely medical malpractice. But I handle this. And really what I found, Jeff, is that having the ability to make a profound impact on the lives of the severely disabled is worth all the money in the world to me. And that's what I do. And I, I, I'm based in New York, but I do practice in other states, Alabama, Georgia, and other places like that, South Carolina. And I really love the practice of law. And that's really what led us to meeting each other through yeah. a four disciplines of execution workshop for a national mastermind that I founded and run. That is fantastic. Well, there is so much to unpack right there. Let's go back just a little bit. So you said your dad was like, look, I'll pay for law school, but nothing else. So he was a lawyer then, or? My father was a lawyer. He's now okay. deceased. Uh, okay. And he basically ran, was a real estate lawyer, very successful. I realized early on, 
it just was not interesting to me to do that. And, and I, I didn't know what to do. And as it turns out, a young African-American male came into my office one day, about 30 years old. He had been horribly brain injured in a bus wreck. And I had no idea what to do, but this young man couldn't find an attorney. And I said, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. Now, and did, you work at a, did you work at a, at a firm at this point in time? So yes. this wasn't your own law firm yet. You, you right. were working for a firm, right? Working for a firm. I, I kind of got into learning about brain injuries and, and everything else. I was absolutely fascinated by it. And I started, more I worked on it, I realized this is what I was meant to do, is representing the profoundly disabled in litigation. And this young man, uh, we, we went, I went through the whole process with him. And then what I did, Jeff is, and Jamie, is I jumped off a cliff. And I said, cold turkey, this is all I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And wow. so I stopped doing everything else. No, no more real estate closings, nothing like that. No transactional work. And uh, since that time, I've, I've been thrilled. And I can't imagine that people will actually pay me money for the work that I'm doing because I enjoy it so much. So it's wow. really great. Yeah. So that, and I was reading now, so you worked for a firm for quite some time before you started your own law practice. Take us, take us a little bit through that journey as far as what was it that you, as, as you went through this, I mean, there was a, there was a point in time where Everything really the changed. firm, yeah, something changed. I mean, you're like, you know what, I've, I've got a transition or you were, or you were transitioned <laughs> maybe against your will, but take us through that a little bit. Well, it was June 2nd of 2010 and they, the senior partners of the firm called me in. I had worked there for 14 years. So most of my career had been in just this one firm, pretty much 90% of it. They called me into a meeting. I had a lot of success. I had developed a really strong client base. And they just sort of said, John, it's time we part ways. Very amicable. Uh, I showed nothing but gratitude for everything that they had taught me. This is a nationally prominent catastrophic injury law firm. And the two founders of it are wonderful people, taught me everything I know. And so they let me go. I had three little kids. I have three uh, adopted children from, from Russia. And I've got my wife, who at the time was not working, three little kids. And I'm like, what do I do now? Wow. Uh, this is really scary. It dawned on me immediately. I'm not going to have a paycheck next week. I'm like, uh-oh. Uh, so, yeah, what I did, and Jamie, what I did was I had figured out earlier in my career that business development is the most important thing that we do. And so it really doesn't matter how good we are at the technical stuff, because if we don't have clients, we can't use our technical abilities. Right. So earlier in my career, I had spent a lot of time immersing myself in, in learning business development. And I've learned how to sort of get cases and do other things. And so what I did was I took my clients with me about four months after I was fired. I settled a case for $2 million. And since that time, I've just kept building on it. And I kept building one little thing at a time in terms of our processes and systems. And it turns out getting fired from that law firm was the best thing that ever happened to me. So I didn't know it at the time because you're stressed and you're anxious. Um, and I've got three little kids and my wife at home and I'm worried about putting food on the, the table. Yeah. Right. But, but at that time, it was just... Uh, a wonderful thing. Sometimes when bad things happen to us, good things happen from the bad. And that's really what happened for me. Wow. So when you, there, there's two, there's two uh, streams we want to go down here. Cause I'm really interested about you adopting your children as well. Let's, 
Let's stay on the lawyer stream for just a second. And then let's, if you don't mind, I'd love to go back and revisit just uh, your decision, you and your wife's decision to adopt children. That That's another really fascinating thing as well, I'm sure. There was, was there a point when you were working for the law firm that that you wanted to start going out on your own? Was it something that you had thought about it or was it, you know what I mean? Was there a point where you're like, you know what, I'd like to start one on my own at some point. Well, the, the reality was the money was too good and it, I was too comfortable at that time. They paid me just enough money where I wouldn't be tempted to go out on my own. And so I, I paid all of our bills. We would go on nice vacations to Europe and things like that. And our kids were in private school. And so everything was kind of good. My wife didn't have to work. We had some good savings. And so, you know, I was comfortable. But being comfortable is not what life is about. Being uncomfortable is what life is truly about. And putting yourself into an area where uh, you're not really sure. And the one thing that I've learned, Jeff and Jamie, throughout my life is that all of the troubles and problems that I've had in my life have built me into the person that I became. They've developed character. And when you put yourself through fire and really hard circumstances, if you survive, you become a stronger person through it. The only So I don't regret any mistakes and failures, and I've had more than my share. The one thing that I've learned in my life is just trusting in God about the outcome is something that's so important, that there's a reason for things. And if something bad happens, trusting in God is always my fallback position now, but it wasn't always that way. And it's so important to me to be able to say, God, I don't know why this happened, but I'm going to trust in you that there's a plan for my life here and that I have a destiny in this lifetime. And I'm going to try to fulfill that destiny for you. So that that's really uh, what I've learned from that experience. I think that answers the question I was going to ask is that you You've worked your way to this place in a law firm, 14 years, you're successful, and then they let you go. They fire you. I was going to ask, how did you overcome the, the, you know, the blow to your confidence and, and the stigma that sometimes comes with that? But I think in part, you answered that by, by recognizing and trusting in God. And, and it sounds like getting to work. Absolutely. Getting to work and, and, and knowing that uh, that there's a plan for my life. And mm-hmm. my role in this life is to fulfill that destiny. And, and that destiny, really more than anything else, is maximizing the abilities that I've been given. And those abilities are enough. They're, they're, they're not the best, but they're enough to get me to succeed in the things that I do now. So there's lots of attorneys who are much better, more skilled than I am. But the reality is when I maximize and I work my butt off and do my best, then I find that much more often than not, I succeed at what I'm doing. And we rarely lose a case. So on occasion we do, um, but the last one I lost was years ago, honestly. And so we, it it has been trusting in God is so uh, important to the process and knowing that there's a plan. And I find that very few people actually fulfill the destiny that they have in life. Uh, And they, they sort of go off in different tracks and they're not really sure what to do. And, um, and many people, especially the young, and I'm not sure if I was the same way when I was younger or not, but I see it in younger employees sometimes that they're thinking about themselves, they're focused just on themselves, they're focused on doing the least amount of work possible, and they're focused more on hedonistic things like what can I eat or drink that will make me happy? Well, none of that stuff is going to actually make you happy in the big picture. And so 
you know, focus. What I would tell anyone starting out at a business is do the, everything you can to make yourself indispensable to your business so that you are so indispensable that they would never dream of firing you. And um, if, you, if you give more than you take, and for, for your marriage, I mean, it's lovely to see the banter that you two have, because I really appreciate when I can just see a strong marriage. And I think, what, what if you, everyone entered the marriage with the thought that rather than what can I get out of this relationship, what can I give to the relationship? Because if you focused on 100% giving to making your spouse the happiest person in the world, you're going to have an amazing marriage, right? And it's the same thing with everything. So in our church, which fortunately with the pandemic ending, the church is full, but it's full of old people. And for, you know, we don't have too many young people in our church. And the reality is most young people would go to church and say, I'm not getting anything out of this. But the thought process is not what can I get, but what can I give back to my relationship with God? Yeah. And if, I, if you're spending time and thinking about nurturing that relationship with God or your spouse or your best friend, uh, then you come out the winner every single time. What I've learned, Jeff and Jamie, in my career is that when I give without any expectation of getting anything in return, it comes back to me tenfold. And mm -hmm. so if I give to our mastermind and I just give them enormous value, I don't worry about, oh, am I getting back the money that I need to cover all this? Forget it. Uh, I've had every event I had, Jeff, for our mastermind, which is now seven years old, I lose money on every single one. I don't care. It's just because the value that I get back from our members far exceeds the financial cost in terms of everything, friendships, support, sharing of wisdom, referrals, everything. It's been an absolute no-brainer for my career building masterminds. You know, there's so many angles, John. This is why I love talking to you because there's so yeah. much wealth and richness in what it is you're saying. The four areas in life that we talk about in streaking, you know, who you want to be is personal, professional, physical, and spiritual. And I, I think you've I think you've covered all four of those in one way or another, which has been fantastic. I wanna I wanna go back to one that um, we've touched on, but I think it also has to do with you know as you talk about God and and the inspiration that you've had and what He's given you and, and the direction that you've given, you and your wife adopted three children. T tell us a little bit about that story. What was it that happened and, and how come you made that decision and where are your children from? Paint that picture for us. Well, I'll tell you, Jeff, we, we went to, um, my wife and I, when we got married, actually tomorrow is our 26th year anniversary. So wow. congratulations. congratulations. That awesome. is so great. So we, we, uh, when we got married, uh, we we're having difficulty having kids. And, and I, I basically sat down in prayer and I thought, um, you know, God, what do you want me to do here? And I think that that is the most powerful question anyone can ever ask is what should I do? God, what should I do? Yeah. And in the classroom of silence and prayer, the answer was very clear to me. And it wasn't a Moses like thing, but the message was there. Mm -hmm. And the message was there are children waiting for you. And those children, as we found out, were in Russia. And so we went to the southernmost part of Russia, and it turns out when we were there, it's right on the border of the Republic of Georgia. But it's now, how, how did you find out that the that the kids were in Russia? Did you were you, did you do some research, or was that just true inspiration? You. You're just like you know what that was, or or had something prompted that from before? You know, back at that time, Russia was a very common place. It was either China or Russia, okay, and okay. we preferred Russia. So. 
that's why we went there. But we were in this region uh, called the Northern Caucasus of Russia, that's right on the border of the Republic of Georgia. And as I found out when we were there, they were in the midst of a real kind of insurrection. It was the Chechen Wars. So Chechnya, which is very close to where our kids are from, was actually having warring and and bombs were going off and things like this. It was crazy. And so we get there and what we the experience was we'd go to orphanage to orphanage. And before we did this, Jeff and Jamie, we were told that we instantly would know who our children were as soon as we met them. And I thought, that's ridiculous. That's not going to happen. And so we went from a few different orphanages. And I was like, I don't feel any special connection to any of these kids. I mean, they're beautiful babies, but I don't feel a bond. Right. And then um, we went to like a third or fourth orphanage and they brought out in these little bundles, two little baby twins, a boy and a girl whose name were Boris and Lilchka. And Boris, and from the moment we saw them, we knew these are our kids. It was just an amazing experience to see that wow. uh, because there was no doubt at all in my mind. Those are our kids. It was like God was bringing them to us. And so uh, the kids are, are less than one year old. And then about half an hour later, we happened to see another boy and they called him the dancing baby boy. Cause when he's in the crib, he's bouncing up and down like this. And his name was Oleg. And we saw him, we're like, that's our son. And then we're wow. like, well, wait a minute. So the, we, we went home in, to our apartment in Russia later that night. And I said, God, in the classroom of science, what, what is the plan here? Because we, we don't have any children. We're not sure how to care for one. How can we care for three little <laughs> babies at the same time? And, and the message that I got in the classroom of silence with God was, these children are my gift to you. And so it was very clear to me. And, and in the classroom of silence, I knew what to do. And so we, we said, these are our children. And actually, Jeff and Jamie, the people in Russia, in some way, tried to, to talk us out of it. And they were like, well, you know, the children have disabilities. One of them has fetal alcohol syndrome and cerebral palsy. And maybe you should just go with one or two. And we like, no, you don't understand. These are our kids. And so we're doing all, we're doing all of them. And wow. so we didn't tell anyone about that. And four months later, we went back to court and we finalized the process in Russia. So this was court. This was court. This was court in Russia. So you had to go to court in Russia and finalize it there. What was that like? Oh, oh, man, something else. Um, Being in Russia is something else because nothing is legit in Russia. Everything is done by bribery. It's terrible. And every business that you see, they won't tell you this, but every business that you see in Russia, it's all about money and handouts, including judges. So if we want to adopt children, we have to come with cash. And it's wow. all under the table. <laughs> it's, wow. it's, like, you, you can't do business in Russia unless you do that. And so you don't have a choice. We wouldn't have our kids unless we did all this. We just say how much. We go for an official court doc, a document, like a birth certificate or something. And they'd be like, oh, we can't give it to you for three months. And then we give them a little rubles and they're like, okay, here it is. There it is. <laughs> so, wow. It's crazy. <laughs> Russia is a very corrupt place. But I would highly encourage anyone to go to Moscow or St. Petersburg because they're gorgeous showplace cities. And uh, the rest of Russia is kind of decrepit, falling apart uh, due to the communist system, really did not serve the people well there. But 
it's a fascinating place. Wow. wow. So what did you have a question, Jane? I was just going to say, so you came home with three children. How old were they when you came home with them? A year old. All three of them were a year All old. All three, same age. Two of them wow. are biological twins. Okay. Yes. So you did basically go from, from no family to Insta family, just add water and you have triplets. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Uh, and every night was like being in a, at a battlefield in Vietnam because one kid was crying, the next was crying. And we we're like what, running around from one place to the next. My wife was an absolute saint. She did an amazing job. And ultimately, actually very quickly, we made the decision to get au pairs because we needed help. It was too right. much. Right. So that's what we did. Yeah. yeah. So how old are your children today? They're 21 years old. And okay. so they, wow. one just graduated from college. The other one goes to Clemson university will graduate in the fall. And then we have a son who has a disability, uh, cerebral palsy. So he, he lives with us, but he's a great kid and he's very loving and God put him on this planet for a purpose was he's so open and yeah. loving and transparent. And it's so different from the way most people are. You know, everyone's sort of guarded and they put on a facade and they want people to see only a certain thing. But my son would go up to you, Jeff or Jamie, and just give you a hug and tell you he loves you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that is so great. it's the greatest gift that there is, really. And uh, that that's what he is about. And he's an amazing kid. I love that. I love that. The, I love the way that you say that's a gift, because I do believe that, that when you have those significant disabilities and their ability to teach us how to genuinely love is a real thing. They, they really do teach us how to do it uninhibited. Well, you know, I read an article in Europe, in Western Europe, they were proud of the fact that they, what they described as they've eliminated Down syndrome because they can identify it through blood work during a woman's pregnancy, and then they terminate the pregnancy. And I said, that is an absolute horrible thing. Um, yeah. Because the people who have Down syndrome, number one, they are so grateful and excited to be alive more than the average person would be. Right. And they are so giving, I mean, their gifts are different than the average person, but they're so loving, transparent and open that there's a reason why they're on this planet. And I think the Western Europe thing just was disturbing to me. Yeah, that is, I read, an, I read a similar article and had similar thoughts along the same line. Yeah. One time Jeff and I had this conversation about, and this relates a little bit to what we were talking about earlier, but about selfishness and what it would be like if everyone in the world was truly selfish. And, and I remember thinking about that for a couple of days and thinking our societies would cease to exist in every possible way because we are truly so dependent upon each of us giving, even, even when we are getting paid for it, we are still giving knowledge and opportunity and our individual talents and sharing those with other people that provide us the ability to not have to do everything ourselves. And I think that when I think about people that have those special, the, those disabilities that require us to care for them physically more because they can't do it themselves, the things that they give and that they teach us about being selfless and service and the opportunities and then what they give back is so amazing because it's not something that can be monetarily measured. And so I guess it truly is immeasurable. You, you can't calculate the, the things that they teach us and the love that they give us back. Well, Jamie, one thing I can share with you is it's so hard for young people to understand, but in life, they're not going to be ha truly happy with a big house, big cars, mm -hmm. big everything. That is not the, the, what, that's gonna make you momentarily happy, but not long-term. 
And the two keys to life, in my view, are, are number one, serving others and giving your life as a sacrifice to others. And at the end of your life, how have I sacrificed my life as a gift to other people? Mm-hmm. And that is so important. It's not about the house or stuff and, and material objects, but young people have a hard time grasping that. And then the other part of it is, I believe to a great life is incredible experiences. And so I have, not, I have no budget when it comes to travel. We travel wherever we want. And we've been to some amazing places, Africa two years ago, Israel a year ago, just before the pandemic. And we've been to Istanbul. We've been to Southeast Asia a number of times. And we do sailing cruises with just a small boat. And, and what I can share, what our kids want from us is not stuff. What they want is our time. And if I go on a sailing boat, on a sail, small crew boat, that's just my wife, my three kids, and, and a skipper or a captain, and we spend 10 days in Greece or Croatia just sailing around with no agenda or plan, that's the greatest gift I can give to our kids. It's my time. And I'm not on my phone. I'm not on the internet. I'm just hanging out with them, swimming and sharing some laughs. And, and John, so, spend, spending time with you is absolute. I, I would find that. And this has been an absolute gift. We are at the end of our time for this session, but let's pick up right there in our next uh, podcast, because it has been absolutely fascinating what we've learned so far. And we haven't even broached the, the, the we're, we're not even, we're not even under the surface yet. And I think it's, you're so right on about that. So um, fellow streakers out there, we're going to continue this conversation with John. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to share with us your story or your streaks, please do so at Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y at streakingmastery.com. Or Jamie at J-A-M-I at streakingmastery.com. Feel free to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, what else Pinterest, <laughs> all of those different places, or on our website at streakingmastery.com. But until we talk next time and we keep going with John, keep streaking. Better you.